Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I want to read verse 12, 14, and 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses 12, 14, and 15. We welcome everybody here today to the teaching of the Word. We welcome those on Facebook. We welcome those by way of telephone. And we are glad to be here again for at least one more Sabbath meeting. We do not know what our future holds. Life is but a vapor. Make the most of today. This is the day we live in. Make the most of today. Matthew 6, verses 12, 14, and 15. Yeshua teaches us, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And in verse 14, He says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your Heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. And Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. In the last lesson, we ended by looking at how Yahweh's forgiveness of our sins against Him is tied to our forgiveness of those who sin against us. We just read it again, and I want to encourage you to believe what the Messiah says here. A dozen thoughts might run through your mind while you don't really want to accept what He said. And if you have a difficult time receiving what He said, read these verses every day for a month and honestly ask yourself if there is any other way that these verses could be taken. For me, I do not see another way. I believe that Yahweh's forgiveness of us is based on our forgiveness of other people. Now, I joined this teaching in the last lesson, this teaching of Yeshua with another of His teachings, which was a parable, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And that parable speaks of one man being forgiven a great debt by a king, yet that same man was unwilling to forgive one of his fellow servants a small debt. The point of that parable is this. One, Yahweh is the king... Number two, you are the servant with great indebtedness to Yahweh. And three, your neighbor is your fellow servant with a small debt to you. If you cannot forgive your neighbor of their sin against you, how do you expect Yahweh to forgive you of your great debt against him? Here's another text that goes along with this understanding. Luke chapter 6. This is from the teachings of Yeshua. This is actually the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 and 7 is the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount as it's popularly called. Well, Luke 6 is Luke's rendering of the Sermon on the Mount. In some ways, I like how Matthew renders it. In other ways, I like how Luke renders it. But there's another passage in Luke 6, verses 37 through 38 that teach this same principle in that what we put out... Yahweh brings back. It's like a boomerang. What we give out, Yahweh gives to us. Luke 6, verse 37. Yeshua says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Most people read that verse and they limit it to just monetary giving. And I think it can apply to monetary giving. I think it can apply to financial things. But contextually, it primarily applies to 
giving out forgiveness and giving out mercy. When we forgive and when we're merciful, it will be meted back to us. With what measure we put it out, Yahweh will measure it back to us. How we deal with others is how Yahweh will deal with us and how we deal with others is even how others will deal back to us in our person-to-person relationship. So if you want Yahweh's mercies to be plentiful in your life, then make sure that you show mercy to other people. Invest in mercy. If you want Him to give you forgiveness, make sure you make it a habit to forgive others. We're so ready for Yahweh's forgiveness when it's us that needs to be forgiven. But when it's our neighbor, we're not so quick to want to talk about forgiveness. If you haven't yet, there will come a time in your life when you will need to be unconditionally loved. And at that point, you'll take another look at unconditional love because it's what you need and not what someone else needs. I've learned a lot about this by being a dad of five children. There have been so many times in my life where I was lecturing my children or disciplining my children. And in the midst of the discipline, the Spirit of Yahweh pricked me and said, this is me talking to you, Matthew. The same thing you are saying to your children, Matthew, I have been saying to you. Now, praise be to Yahweh, I have been able to receive that pricking of the Spirit. And oftentimes in my discipline, I have been merciful towards my children. That does not mean that I gave them no discipline. Because I would not be a good father if I didn't discipline my children. But what it means is that through the discipline, I tried to handle them with care, with mercy, with forgiveness, and with love. I want them to learn to do good, but I want them to learn mercy as well. I bring up my parenting here to say that these verses have made me be more merciful towards my children. Simply because I want Yahweh to be more merciful towards me. I believe there's a reciprocal thing going on here. How I interact with others, including my children, is how Yahweh is going to interact with with me. I've been reading a lot lately in what's known as the apocryphal books. And I really don't like calling them the apocrypha any longer. That's for another sermon and another time. But that's the best way I can describe them because that's what most people know them as. It's the apocrypha. For now, I just want you to remember that these books were in the original King James Version of the Bible that Christians used back in the 17th century. And they were also in the Geneva Bible of the 16th century that the pilgrims used. They were in other English translations of the Bible during the 1500s. The point is is that the further back you go, Christians were just as acquainted with these books, 1 Maccabees, 2 Maccabees, 2 Esdras, Tobit, Judith, Sirach, the Wisdom of Solomon. These books were quoted and believed in by early Christians just as much as Psalms, Proverbs, Ezra, and Nehemiah. It's really only through tradition that we no longer have them in our Bibles today. Some strands of Christianity still include them in their Bibles, and they are included in the Greek Septuagint, which was the Old Testament for the early Christians. There's a text in the Wisdom of Sirach, the book of Ben Sirah, in chapter 28, that I would like to read to you. Chapter 28, verses 1 through 7, and it goes along with what we've learned from the recognized canon of Scripture. Listen carefully. The Lord is taking note of your sins. And if you take vengeance on someone, 
the Lord will take vengeance on you. But if you forgive someone who has wronged you, your sins will be forgiven when you pray. You cannot expect the Lord to pardon you while you are holding a grudge against someone else. You yourself are a sinner, and if you won't forgive another person, you have no right to pray that the Lord will forgive your sins. If you cannot get rid of your anger, you have no hope of forgiveness. You are only a human being. Think about it. Someday you will die and your body will decay. So give up hate and live by Yahweh's commands. The commands in the covenant of the Most High. Instead of getting upset over your neighbor's faults, overlook them. Sirach 28 verses 1 through 7. Now all of that is good, but take note again of Sirach 28 verse 2 and we'll compare it with Matthew 6 12. Sirach 28 2 says, But if you forgive someone who has wronged you, your sins will be forgiven when you pray. Matthew 6 verse 14 says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. Yeshua is saying the exact same thing that Sirach said years before him. The point is that the Hebrews understood based on what they learned in the Tanakh, in the Older Testament, that Yahweh treats us the way we treat our fellow human being, our fellow neighbor. As we do unto others, the Most High does unto us. I don't know what greater motivation there could be than to be kind, love, and forgive. That was a little more than what I talked about last week, but I want to go deeper now. So put on the life preserver and let's swim out into the deep end. I don't want anybody to forget what we covered last week and what we've covered this week up until this point. But I want to think about this a little deeper and a little more because I've been asked this next question by people who genuinely want to know how to handle horizontal relationships, people-to-people relationships that come up in life. And I thought, since I'm here on forgiveness and doing wrong to people and asking for forgiveness and all of that, that I better talk about it right now. I've been asked this question multiple times over the last 20-plus years. The question is this, Brother Matthew, what if someone sins against me but does not apologize or does not repent? Am I still required to forgive them? Now, I've got a few points to make in answer to this question, but I want you to track with me because we've been talking about our relationships with one another and our relationship with Yahweh. Let me ask you this question. Is Yahweh required to forgive someone who does not ask Him for forgiveness or who does not repent of their sin? The answer is no. He's not. His forgiveness is there and He is ready and willing to give it out. But if a person does not confess their sins to Yahweh, ask Him to forgive them and repent of their sins, Yahweh will not forgive them. That includes me. That includes you. His forgiveness is available, but it only comes to those who repent. Repentance means four basic things. One, a sorrow for sin an apology for sin, a turning away from that sin, and a turning towards righteousness. That's what repentance means, biblically. If you remain obstinate in a sin and just decide, this is how it's going to be and this is how I want to live my life, no matter what Yahweh says, He will not 
forgive you. He won't. So, if Yahweh does not forgive someone who does not apologize to Him and repent to Him, are we then required to forgive our neighbor who does not apologize and repent? I believe the answer has to be the same. The answer is no. We are not required or commanded to forgive an unrepentant person. Now, let me show you this from the same chapter. Turn to Matthew 18. I want to show you this, and this is wild and neat how Yahweh works in putting this together in our Scriptures. I'm going to show you this from the exact same chapter that we read last week about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Look with me to Matthew 18, and we're going to read the section just before that parable. And my Bible gives headings to paragraphs, and the heading here in Matthew 18, beginning at verse 15, is restoring a brother. And you could just as easily say restoring a brother or a sister. I think that's a good heading. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Let's read this slowly. I'll make a couple of comments. Just read this slowly. Remember, this is right before the parable of the unforgiving servant. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, there's another step. Somebody says, well, I did that. What if he won't listen? Step two. Take one or two more with you. One or two more what with you? People, brothers or sisters. So that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. That's a direct quote from the law, Deuteronomy 19, verse 15. Yeshua is pulling from the book of Deuteronomy. Verse 17. If he pays no attention to them, in other words, that one or two people that you brought with you to be witnesses, if he still pays no attention, then there's another step. Tell the church, that's the community of believers. But if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, there's a fourth step. What's that fourth step? Let him be like an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. That means you part fellowship. Verse 18, I assure you, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. What that means is that's referring to punishment for unrepentant sin. A refusal to forgive the unrepentant. That's binding that person on earth. When you follow these steps... He'll be bound or she'll be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, that's forgiveness, that's a willingness to forgive the unrepentant, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when you follow this procedure on the earth that Yeshua told us to follow, when we bind someone's sins because they won't repent, they're bound in heaven. When we loose someone's sins because they do repent, they're loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, and the context is in regards to the binding of the unrepentant and the loosening of the repentant, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, gathered why? Gathered to pass judgment or mercy on a person. That's the gathering that's being talked about right here. Where two or three of you are gathered in my name to pass that judgment or that mercy, I am there among you in agreeing in that judgment or that mercy. This is the what Matthew 18, 15 through 20 is talking about. In theology, it's called church discipline. I've taught a series of sermons on church discipline. This is not necessarily something that we like to think about. It's not something that we want to happen. And even in the text, we see that when somebody strays away from the community, 
We are to seek for their restoration. We're to seek for their forgiveness. We're to give them ample opportunity to repent. But there comes a time in the discipline that if they won't listen to you in private and they won't listen to two or three more people and then when we bring it before the church, they still won't listen and they remain in their sin and they're unrepentant and they say, no, I like it this way. This is what I'm going to do. That we have to treat them like an unbeliever or tax collector, it says. We withhold forgiveness from them until there is repentance. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that we hand them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that their spirit might be saved on the day of judgment. Same context, 1 Corinthians 5. There was a man there who was having unlawful relations with his father's wife and he refused to repent. And the Apostle Paul said, put that wicked person out from among you. Now, in my experience as a pastor, and I have experienced things like this, when someone is unrepentant, usually they end up leaving the congregation to begin with. And it is sad, and I don't like to see it happen, but I have seen it happen because people oftentimes love their sin more than they love the Creator. So don't get upset if a brother or a sister comes to you in private and is, is concerned about a matter, don't get upset because they're only coming to you because they love you. I've had to do it before to people and nobody likes to be rebuked. Nobody does. Uh, but it is a loving gesture. Leviticus 19 says, Don't hate your neighbor in your heart. You see him involved in unrepentant sin, rebuke him. Because that's, that's love. That's love. And we are bound to believe all of the Scripture, not just parts of the Scripture. So the same chapter that teaches us that we have to forgive when someone comes to us and repents, that chapter also teaches us that we are not required to forgive if someone is living in unrepentance. Now, I want to be very careful at this point because I do not want anybody using this text here in Matthew 18 or my sermon as an excuse to be vengeful or vindictive against people. Here are some things to think about when situations like this arise. Number one, someone sins against you and you don't get the apology that you wanted to get. It does not mean that the apology was not given in some way. For example, sometimes a person's pride will not let them apologize with their mouth. I think if we're honest, that's been all of us at one time or another. We do somebody wrong and we're too prideful to apologize with our mouth, but we show that we are sorry by our actions. And ultimately, that is how you will show that you're really sorry. Words by themselves don't mean anything. And I know this because Yeshua taught another parable about a dad that told two of his sons to do something. And one of them said, I'll go do it, Dad. And the other one said, I'm, I won't go do it, Dad. And the one that said he would go do it ended up not doing it. And the one that said, I won't go, later repented and went and did it. And Yeshua said, which son did the will of his father? He said, the one that said he wouldn't, but ended up doing it in the long run. So I have been wronged before and not gotten a verbal apology, but I got an apology in action. And that's sufficient. That's sufficient. So I forgave. 
I'm not saying we should not apologize with our words. I believe that we should. I believe we should. But if someone never apologizes to me with their words, but shows me that they are sorry by their deeds, I will forgive them. Why? Because they have repented and they're striving to do better. And like I said, the truth is, if we think hard enough, all of us at one time or another probably didn't want to say we were sorry, but we really were sorry, and instead of saying it, we showed it. So let's be merciful in that regard. Okay, number two. That's first. Number two, don't forget this. Even if someone is not sorry and does not apologize and repent with their words or their actions, you may not be able to practice forgiveness because forgiveness is, is two-way. But you can practice something that the old scriptures, the old translations called forbearance. Forbearing one another in love. Forbearance means patience, overlooking an offense, self-control, and kindness. And you practice forbearance for the sake of moving on in your body and in your spirit. Uh, this is not forgiveness because forgiveness takes both parties to be involved for ultimate reconciliation. You cannot have complete reconciliation unless both parties are involved in the act of forgiveness. But if you don't forbear, in other words, if you harbor something in your heart, it can make you sick spiritually, mentally, physically. And we must forbear. Why? Because we need to move on in life. We cannot camp out on one little thing that somebody did to us that never asked us for forgiveness. We can't camp out on that. We've got to move on in life. Sometimes people hurt us badly and are not sorry. And if we don't eventually move on, we will be burdened down with life. Here's a great example of forbearance. And it comes from none other than our Master and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. While he was hanging on the cross with thorns in his skull and nails in his hands and feet, he prayed for the people that crucified him and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Now, does that mean that they would all be forgiven? I don't necessarily think so. Some of them did come to their senses and repent. Acts chapter 2. Some of them did repent. But ultimately, unless all of them repented, all of them were not forgiven by Yahweh. My point here is this. Yeshua's love wanted them to be forgiven. And when somebody wrongs us and is hateful towards us and doesn't apologize and doesn't repent, it is very easy for you to want to harbor bitterness in your heart towards that person. But Yahweh's Word teaches us we should want their forgiveness. We should seek their forgiveness. Even when you have to turn somebody over to Satan, you, it's because you want their spirit to be saved on the day of judgment. We should not want somebody. We should not want somebody to go to the lake of fire. <laughs> we should want everybody to come to Yahweh. It'd be great, wouldn't it? It'd be wonderful if everybody came to Yahweh. I know that's not scriptural, but it would be great. That's not Yahweh's plan. But we don't know when somebody might repent. We don't know when it might be somebody's day of forgiveness. We don't know. Don't judge any man before his time. You don't know. So don't be vindictive. Forbear one another in love. No matter how rotten somebody's acted towards you, the example the Messiah gives us is to seek for their repentance. I hope all of this helps balance out everything about the Scriptures that teach on forgiveness. I do want to look at one more text. 
in the Torah. And the reason I want to look at this, I didn't have this in my notes at first, but I put it in there later on. It's in Exodus 34. The reason I want to look at this is because it shows the full character of Yahweh. And Yahweh, Yahweh's character and behavior is what we need to practice, what He teaches, which when we look at His Son, we see a beautiful human example of that. This is in Exodus 34, 5-7. through 7. We don't want to leave out any of these verses. I'm going to be reading this out of the ERV. Exodus 34, verse 5, Then Yahweh came down to him in a cloud and stood there with Moses and spoke his own name. That is, Yahweh passed in front of Moses and said, Yahweh, Yahweh is a kind and merciful mighty one. He is slow to become angry. He is full of great love. He can be trusted. He shows His faithful love to thousands of people. He forgives people for the wrong things they do. But He does not forget to punish guilty people. Not only will He punish the guilty people, but their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren will also suffer for the bad things these people do. This is the best text that I know of in all of the Scriptures to show the fullness of the heart and the character of Yahweh. He is kind. He is merciful. But He also punishes. He does not forget to punish the guilty. He will forgive completely and fully. He will toss your sins as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103 says. But you must repent to receive that complete, full forgiveness from Yahweh. Else it's just Yahweh's forbearance that you're receiving and not Yahweh's forgiveness. If we don't, if a person does not, it will trickle down generationally. As it says, it will punish children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. That does not mean that a child or a grandchild cannot repent. Ezekiel chapter 18 shows that a man or a woman can grow up with unrighteous parents or parent and yet decide that they're going to follow Yahweh. Ezekiel 18 teaches that. Ezekiel 18 also teaches that a person can grow up with righteous parents or parent and then get to an age and decide, I don't want to follow Yahweh. But what Exodus 34 teaches and what the second commandment in Exodus 20 teaches about the children's children punishing the iniquity of the fathers to the children is that as goes the parent, so often goes the child. That's usually how it happens. As I close today, do not use this lesson as an excuse not to forgive somebody. Don't do that. Shame on you if you ever do that. There may come a time in your life when you justly and righteously remain in unforgiveness because the person who wronged you has no remorse or repentance and it be just and righteous that you withhold that. You bind that and not loose it. But don't let that be your default mode. Don't walk around with that bitterness in your heart. The reason I say that is this. You don't want to take any chance on Yahweh not forgiving you because you refuse to forgive someone else who may not have apologized exactly how you wanted it to happen, but nevertheless were sorry 
and did repent. If you are to err or be wrong, err or be wrong on the side of mercy. Because come judgment day, it's more mercy that you're going to need. You already got plenty of wrath coming to you in and of yourself. We're all going to need mercy. I sure hope this message has helped everybody understand this a little bit better. And if you have any questions, you feel free to come and ask me after the meeting today, and I'll be glad to talk with you a little bit. I do love and appreciate everybody here. And praise Yahweh for His forgiveness. Amen, brother.